And I thank you that in this path, Lord, there is light and light, and there is no darkness, Father God. I thank you, Lord, that you filled this room with salvation, with healing, with miracles, with provision, with everything. Everything we need, Lord God, is in you. So today, Lord God, we uplift you. We give you all the honor and all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Awesome. Thank you, guys. Praise the Lord. Morning, church. Hey, see you, kids. Have fun. Yeah. Awesome to have you here this morning. I want to welcome everybody here to the center church where Jesus is Lord. Amen. Amen. Man, I'll tell you what. I've been putting this message together for you guys. And uh, I've, I've entitled it, I've entitled, I've titled it, uh, entitled, uh, Now You See Me. Now You See Me. And so basically what this is going to be about is about perspective. It's going to be about how we see things. James touched on it last week in his message. Our perception and our perspective is, is key. You know, it's our point of view. But our point of view is based on our level of understanding at the time. So our perspective starts to change as we get a better level of understanding. So what I want to do this morning, I want to start off with a story, okay? And start off with a story around perspective, and then I'm going to get into the Word. Is that cool? That's lucky because that's what I had planned. Hey. So I want to start off with a story around perspective. So when I was a young fellow, I was about 19 and I was hanging out with a good mate of mine and we went into Wellington. And uh, we, we were out, out on the town and we are having a ball. And it got to about midnight and uh, we were sort of walking down through Wellington, through the middle of Cuba Mall. Everyone know Cuba Mall? So corner of Cuba Mall and Vivian Street. So we were just coming through there. And uh, I heard these guys, like there was heaps of people everywhere, I heard these guys yell out something. And I turned around and there was this group of guys there. Are there any Samoans in the house today? My lord, my brother, okay, so they weren't Samoans. They say, they say for the sake of the story, they say for the sake of the story, they were Eskimos, okay? Okay, so there was this, this group of Eskimos. And one of them yelled out to me, the biggest Eskimo, because you all know how big these Eskimos can get, eh? <laughs> we all know how big they can get. And one of, them, one of them yelled out something to me. And I remember I just, I just heard it and I turned around thinking he was asking for the time or asking directions. Or... So I turned around and went, oh, what was that, bro? And bleep, 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 bleep. He just started swearing at me and nutting off. And I just went like this. I just went, oh, all good, bro. All good, you know. I wasn't scared. I was in a hurry. Okay, guys? <laughs> I have things to do, places to go. And so my friend hears it. And the guy actually, the abuse the guy gave me was he said, you weedy little white, you can fill in the blanks, okay? And so my mate turned around and we, what did you say to him? And I was saying to my mate, just leave it, you know, because my mate was locked on, okay? I was using what we call peripheral vision. I could see lots of other Eskimos coming out of the igloos. Hey, like I could see them all around and they're all sort of lurking around. And then I was like, my mate starts arguing with him, but what he argued about was that, he, that I wasn't white. <laughs> like he was like, he's not white. And then they start having this big argument about and, and I was just like, hey, bro, let's just go. Let's just go, you know? And so the biggest guy, the biggest guy, he's, he's having an argument with my mate and my mate was going to have a bit of a bit of a tussle. And so I 
being a harmonizer, I jumped in the middle. And I just went, hey, listen, mate, look, look, you, look, look at where I'm looking. I was like, look, mate, you know, I don't know what the trouble is. We didn't start any trouble because we weren't, you know. And I'll, I'll put my hand up. I was a little bit of trouble when I was young. But this time, I was just walking down the road, minding my own business, you know. And then, so I'm trying to calm this guy down. And I said, mate, look at the size of you. You know, like, look at the size of you compared to, because to, to, my mate would have been 75 kilo wet at the best. And, but he's still chomping at the bit. You know, so he's still, he's still, and I'm sort of like, settle down, mate. Like, we're out of our weight division. And so anyway, they start arguing. I step in and I said to the guy, look, mate, you're way too big. Look at the size of you, you know, da, da. So another little Eskimo come over and goes, I'll fight him then. And so my mate goes, oh, yeah, okay, then I'll fight you. And I'm thinking, well, of course you'll fight him. You're going to fight this one. So I'm sort of like, oh, well, that's better. That's better, eh? You know, a little bit backed up. And because and, and, and I'm right into fairness, I was like, yeah, just one-on-one. Just one-on-one, guys. It's just settled one-on-one. So they start fighting, okay? They say I'm in a fight. My mate's doing really well. And while he's doing well, I'm standing, I just felt like the sun disappear. <laughs> eh? And this Eskimo is standing over me like this. And uh, he goes to me. I'll never forget this. He goes to me. You're a bit bigger. Eh? You're a bit bigger. And, man, I tell you what, I, I pumped my shoulders up. I looked him straight in the eye. And I said to him, not much bigger. <laughs> uh, technically, not that much bigger. You know, that much bigger. Anyway, he starts, like, grunting. And I know, I know he's going to hit me soon. Like, he's just, he's doing this. Like, I'm just pushing into me. And I'm just sort of like, and so fight starts. Next minute, my mate starts doing really well. And these other guys jump in on top of him. So I thought, man, I'm going to have to help him. So this big guy's like this. And he's standing over me. And I just thought, you know how they say in the movies, hey, just pick the biggest guy and go and knock him? It's lies. It's absolute lies. So I just went, I just remember he was going to hit me. I knew he was going to hit me. They jumped on my mate, and I just turned around and swung and went crack. And I hit him fair in the face, to which he went, (laughs) and just kept walking towards me. And I'm not even lying, I was throwing punches and he didn't even put his hands up. I felt that was rude. Um, he, just, he just went like this and just walked forward while I'm hitting him, walked straight through me, grabbed me, I'm not, I'm not joking about this, grabbed me and pulled me into his chest. So I'm like this. And I'm thinking, that's a weird style of fighting, eh? But hey, cool, at least I'm not getting hurt. And then next minute, boom, he locked onto my ear and um, he, he bit, like he got hold of it and he bit through it, and has anyone had their ears pierced here, and you hear that pop, hey, when it goes through the gristle, I just heard this almighty pop, and we pull apart, and I remember looking at his face, and he's like, because he, he's, ch- he's choking on a bit of my ear, and I remember being like, is that my ear, and, and blood, I mean, I don't know if you've seen an ear bleed, so much blood comes out, it was just, it was, I was covered down my side, I was just pouring out everywhere. He's like, uh, uh, you know, and so, so I start hitting him, and we start fighting again. By the time the police get there, like, I'm the, I'm the trouble, because I'm just, I'm going off, you know, and I'm flying around. So there's a man bleeding profusely from his head, running around swearing, trying to attack everyone. Police come and they get me, and they arrest me. The police arrested me, and um, I said, oh, what for? And they said, assault. So. Man, I've got assaulted, sir. <laughs> and uh, I'll never forget the copper goes to me. Um, 
I said, mate, I'm the one that's been assaulted. You know, I'm the one that's hurt. I'm the one that's been attacked. And I remember this copper just turned around and went, oh, wee, wee, <laughs> to me. Hey, I remember that. I was like, oh, it's not very nice. I was a little bit wee, wee, too, you know. And then um, I said, look, mate, have a look. And I'll never forget, he just went, oh, have a look, you know, like, have a look at this baby. And, man, the copper turned around that was in the driver's seat. Uh, sorry, the passenger seat turned around and just seen blood all over his window. All, down there, all of a sudden, he's like, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh, get him to hospital. We're going to go to hospital. I'm sitting there going, yeah, wee, wee, you know, like, man, you've only just seen it. I'm, I'm feeling it. So, anyway, they get me to hospital. Um, they have to stitch it. This whole half ear is false. It's had plastic surgery. I've had, I've had five, we have five surgeries on this. And so, they... This one, they just stitched it up, so it still looked half-bitten. I'm not even joking. My ear had, like, well, you know when you bite a burger? It actually had the, it actually had the teeth marks, eh? Hey? It actually had the teeth marks around it. And it was a, a decent amount of the ear that was gone. Like, it wasn't like you could just grow some hair over this thing. It was like, it stood out like nobody's business. And so I'm sitting there in the hospital. They've sewed my ear up. They've bandaged my head up really tightly, but they did it real tight like that, and so I couldn't quite see, and I'm still like this, and, and I'm lying there the next day, and I'll never forget this, I'm lying there the next day, and I'm on my bed, and I'm feeling pretty sorry for myself, my head is pounding, you know, like, I've just had my ear bitten from the side of my head, my friend, who started the fight, he comes bouncing in that morning, bouncing in with the biggest smile on his face, and I'm looking at him, he's got two black eyes, his nose is like right across the side of his face, and he's smiling, and I remember saying to him, what are you, like, it actually annoyed me, I was like, what, what, why are you so happy? And this is the perspective part, I'll never forget this, he looked me dead in the eyes and he went, mate, we won, <laughs> we won, I'd hate to see when we lost, and I was like, we won. I said, mate, I don't know if you've looked in the mirror, but your face is like, it wasn't, it wasn't good to start with. And now it's like messed. And I said, and I've got half my head ripped from the side of my head. How do you work out we won? And he turned around and he said to me, did you see their faces? He said, did you see their faces when we stopped, when we planted our foot and we stood there and fought? Did you see their faces? I said, yeah, they look quite excited. <laughs> but... The point he was trying to make was that these guys were bullies. These guys were intimidators. These guys were trying to start something with us and pick on us. And at the end of the day, we stood our ground. And that's the perspective that he was coming from. A little bit harder for me while my ear was missing to see it that way. But it was, a, it was an interesting point. It showed me a different perspective. And it showed me that my mate's perspective was a little bit skewed as well. But there's life for you. So it's how we see things, you know. Like that guy, he, we... Nine times out of ten, yeah, you just go, look, we got an absolute hiding. But he didn't. He'd come in and his perspective was that we won because he was looking at the situation differently. See, how we see a situation is not always true. Our perspective is not always spot on. That's why we need to be in a good church. We need to be hearing the word. We need to have people that we can, we can talk to. So what I'm going to do now is I'm going to pick up the story in the Bible. James finished with this scripture last week, okay, in Acts 7. And it was about Stephen... So Stephen was a, was a Christian fella, and um, he had preached the word against the Pharisees. Now, the Pharisees were like a relig the religious leaders of the time, and Stephen preached against them. 
And so what they wanted to do was they wanted to stone him to death. That's pretty hard, eh? Like when you think about it, getting stoned to death for sharing the gospel, getting stoned for, to death for speaking truth, um, it's pretty hard. It's pretty hard. So I just want to find this um, scripture here for you guys because I want to get it right. Okay. Yeah, here we go. Here we go. Okay. So Stephen's just stood there and he's just said to these Pharisees, look, you're just being religious about this. You're missing it. You, 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 you know, and he was preaching Jesus. Okay. So then they said, that they were, that it says, but Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, so these guys were, were angry with him, but Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. This is a man's perspective. This is, this is his perspective while there's an angry mob that have already gone through and killed people and assaulted people that are standing there like snarling at him. And this is his perspective. I see heaven. And then goes on that they got really angry. Like when they heard him praising, they got even angrier. Okay? And they dragged him out of the city and began to stone him to death. Okay? While they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he fell on his knees and cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. Man, I don't know. If someone was stoning me to death, I don't know if I could be that gracious about it. I don't know if I could pray for them. I don't know if I could plead to God, you know, for them. But that's what Stephen did, and that was his perspective. So that's where the message ended last week. And then the next, the next scripture is Acts 8, 1, okay? And it's talking about a guy, Saul, okay? So let me just explain Saul a little bit. Oh, let me just say this first scripture first, 8, 1. This is the start. This is how the scripture starts. And Saul approved of Stephen's killing. That's the first one. That he approved of his killing. So essentially he was killing people. See, Saul was a Pharisee. He was a religious leader of those day, in those days as well. And I think to give it him some perspective, because eh? I mean, I've just picked that scripture out and said, you know, the first scripture you hear about Saul is that he's, that he's killing people. You know, so we'll give him a bit of background just to put it into context. You know, yeah, he was a religious leader, okay? Saul was an amazing man. Uh, Saul, who later God changed his name to Paul. God does that a lot in the Bible, changes names. Yeah, um, and it's really interesting because Saul changed to Paul. And, you know, I, I think he's one of the most amazing men in the Bible. Outside of Jesus, I, like Saul and well, Paul, just amazes me. He, was, he went from being a menace where he would persecute the church. He would kill Christians. Like he would actually kill Christians. Um, and he went to, from that to being the most influential person in the early church. He performed miracles. He wrote over half of the New Testament. You know, like, man, this guy. So, so you know, just to put it in perspective, and the reason why I like him, I think, was because he was one way. Hey, then, he, then he got some perspective and he turned around to another way. And that's like a lot of us. I know it's like me. It's like me. I got humbled when I become a Christian. I got humbled because I, I realized what I thought a man was, was, was dumb, absolutely dumb. What, I, what I thought made me a man, which was basically fighting, taking drugs, taking alcohol, woman, things like that. You know, I got to 25 and realized, man, I'm a 25-year-old boy. I'm a boy. You know, I had no responsibilities. 
That soon changed <laughs> pretty quick, five kids later. Um, but yeah, that's why I love Saul, is because I think a lot of us can relate to him, you know? A lot of us can relate to him. So he was born in 5 AD. Okay, AD is after death, so after Jesus was crucified. 5 AD. Which is, oh, your birthday would be 22nd of the 7th, 5. You imagine scrolling down it, you know how you, hey, because, oh man, even me. If, hey, you know when you're scrolling on the, on the, on the hey, trying to find your year and that? Have you, have you done that online? Man, even just going back to my birthday feels like I'm scrolling like on a pokey machine. Yeah, yeah, that was the 80s, good times. Yeah, um, they were good years, man, good years. So anyway, so here's the other buzzy thing. He never physically met Jesus. Paul never physically met Jesus, but you would think that he was his best mate. How zealous and how hard he went for God once he had his perspective changed. But anyway, in around about 15 to 20 AD, so he's about 10 years old, 15 years old, he goes off to study with this guy Gamaliel. Gamaliel's like this famous scholar, really well-respected Pharisee of the day, and he was a teacher. And so Saul, they obviously noticed something in Saul, and they took him away and they started training him. So this man was full of the word. He knew the law inside and out of the Bible, but he didn't have any spirit. He didn't have any spirit with it. So here's the thing. He thought he was doing God's will. When Saul was going out and threatening Christians and pulling, dragging them out of their home, that's what he was doing. He was going, that's home invasion. That's home invasion. He was going in there and he was, he was dragging them out of their house. Okay, so there's home invasion. Then he was threatening to kill them. That's a, that's a charge, threatening to kill. Okay, There would have been some assaults in there. You know, a murder. Probably get him done for trespassing as well. You know, breaking laws galore, man. He's going hard. But he thought he was doing God's will. He actually thought that he was doing God's will. So let's pick it up in Acts 9 verse 1. Uh, man, Saul doesn't sound very good, eh? The first scripture in this one is, and Saul uh, was, was running around with murderous threats. Murderous threats. So he's going around threatening the church. So in Acts 9.1, he's threatening the church. In Acts 9.2, he wants to go to the synagogue and get a letter. Okay? He wants to get a letter from the priest so that he can kill Christians. And so he can put them in prison. So this is where he was going was to Damascus. So on the road to Damascus, this is where he has his massive, massive um, uh, conversion and turnaround. So, so let's just think. His purpose is he's threatening the church. He's going off to Damascus, Damascus to get a letter so that he can put Christians in prison. And then while he's there, it says in 3, Acts 9, 3, as he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed round him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? You think about it, that was a light. He fell to the ground. The presence of light knocked him off his feet. That's some powerful light. It doesn't say that he was touched. It doesn't say he was pushed. It doesn't say anything. It didn't say there was wind. It says light. Now, that's some powerful light to put you on your, on, on your knees. And then Saul turns around and goes, oh, who are you, Lord? So he knew the Bible inside and out, knew the word, knew the Lord, didn't know God's voice, did not know God. That's why he was missing it. See, if we haven't got the spirit of God, then we run off and we do man's things. 
we're doing things in our own opinions and our own minds in that. And this is where he was getting lost, you know. But the thing about it is that God had a plan for that fella. Okay? So it then says in Acts 9, 5, yeah, who are you, Lord? And it says, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. That would be heavy. Now get up and go into the city, and you'll be told what you must do. Man. So the first thing that I look there is that um, uh, he was humbled. That's pretty humbling, eh? You know? So then the men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound. So the light was that powerful, it made a sound. But did not see anyone. Okay? So you imagine that, eh? If you're running around and you're talking to one of your mates, and all of a sudden he just starts freaking out and talking to something and you can't see it. It'll be pretty, it'll be pretty scary. It'll be pretty scary. I've had that happen to me before where we were, we were at a graveyard one time when I was a young teenager just hanging out and we're standing there talking and then all of a sudden this girl, we were only about 15, this girl just started screaming. Like screaming and at first I thought, oh, she's being silly, you know, she's trying to scare us. I'm not scared. <laughs> had, no, had another look around though and um, she just started screaming and running around going like this, going like this for ages, ages, ages and we finally calmed her down and um, a moth had gone into her ear like flowing right in and it got really stuck in there and it was going and so she was freaking out and it had gone right in her ear she couldn't get it out but she couldn't stop to tell us because she was so hysterical so that would be something like that you see these, you know, all of a sudden he's talking to no one and he's scared you know all his mates would be like, what are you looking at? And the thing there is that they didn't see anyone because it wasn't in the physical. Don't get me wrong, physical senses are good. I mean, I obviously love taste. Um, hey, it's one of my favorite senses. But, but it, there's things in this world that are beyond our physical senses. There's things that, that, that get seen without eyes and heard without ears. You know, um, <clears throat> There's more to this world than can be seen. In 1 Corinthians 2.9, it says, no ear has heard, no, no, um, no, no, no eye has seen, and no ear has heard the things that God has prepared for the ones that he loves. We have no idea of what God's got in store for us. So anyway, then we go to Acts 9, 8, 9, and it says, um, Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus for three days. He was blind and did not eat or drink anything. So all of a sudden, he'd been physically blinded by this great light. And then he goes on where, so while this is all going on too, so he's been made blind, okay, and they're leading him off. They're going to take him back into the city of Damascus, okay. While this is all going on, God's talking to another believer. See, God's preparing a way. When God's going to do anything for us, he prepares a way for us. He makes a way. He can make a way where there is no way. But he prepares a way for us. So while all this is going on, he's talking to a guy, Ananias. Okay? And he's saying to Ananias, the first thing he says to Ananias is, he said, um, in Damascus there is a disciple, oh no, he's, uh, yeah, in the Damascus there's a disciple named Ananias, and the Lord called to him in a vision. Okay? And Ananias said, yes, Lord. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street. I found that quite interesting. Okay, no other ex-users here. <laughs> I found it funny. Hey, they had to go to Straight Street. Hey, got to go to Straight Street. Yeah. Um, and ask for a man named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. 
So God's preparing, God's already preparing something for you. God's already strategically working through other people and other circumstances for you, for me, for us. So anyway, Ananias turns around and says, hey, I've heard of this guy. He's trouble. I've heard of this guy. He's no good. Hey, I've heard of a man. He's, he's just been going around town. You know, and that, that could be a lot of our stories. You know what I mean? The thing is that that doesn't disqualify him from being used by God. See, Ananias was going, how can you use him, God? Like, that's what he was sort of getting at. Like, I know this guy. He's bad news, man. He's terrible. How, is, how are you going to use him, God? And God's going to use him. God's going to change him first. God's going to transform him. God's going to change his perspective on God. So anyway, Ananias, man, this is, you, you imagine this. If you got a prompting to go somewhere hey, and go and see someone, you know, like that's, a, that's, that's pretty big to, to act on that, you know. And so, so he, he moved on anyway. And Ananias just said, I trust you, God. Okay, I trust you. So I'm going to go and see this guy. Um, and then he come back and, and Saul was blind, okay. So Saul was blind, okay. Um, actually, reminds me of, um, I was staying at my mate's house one time and we were kids, we were about 13. And his dad had a bung eye. So he couldn't see out of his right eye, and um, he used to drink a lot. So we were staying there the night, and he had been out drinking, and he got home like early hours of the morning, so we didn't see him. And when we got up in the morning, we were, we were sort of sitting there getting some breakfast, and then all of a sudden we just hear him yelling out. And he's yelling out, and he's yelling out, I'm blind! Jude, I'm blind! His, mom's, his wife's name was Jude, and he's like, Jude, I'm blind, I'm blind, I'm blind. So we all come running into the room, and we're like, what's going on, what's going on? And he's sitting up in bed, and he's going, I'm blind, I'm blind. And he had his bung eye there, and he'd fallen asleep with some chewing gum. And it had fallen out during the night and stuck his other eye together. So he had this big blob of, blob is like, chewing gum on his eye. <laughs> Fun times, man. But here's the thing. So he turns around and he says, and on the said, God can't use him. In Genesis 50, 20, it says that God will take everything. Everything that was meant for our harm, he will turn around for his, for his glory. Everything that I went through was not in vain. Every dumb decision I made and every stupid, every, every silly position I got myself into, God was still trying to work a way back here for me. You know, it says, while we were still sinners, God loved us. You know, God loved me even at my worst. And then it goes on to say, and this leads into this Acts 9 15, God turns around and says, he is my chosen instrument, Ananias. He is my chosen instrument. So your call is from birth. You're called by God from birth. When you, when you work it out and find out about it, maybe a different time. But you're called from birth and nothing can disqualify you. If God's chosen you and he's marked you, then, he's, then, then nothing can go against that. So he was his chosen instrument. Even when he was persecuting and killing Christians... You know, so I look at that and I think there's a lot of things that I used to hold against myself. There's a lot of things that I used to look in my past and go, oh, that was bad. You know, um, but I know that God's restored me. You know, I know that God's, God's made me worthy, you know, and he's forgiven me for all that, you know, and I don't need to worry about that anymore. I just, it's in my past. It's in my past. But everything that happened back there has made me who I am now and has positioned me to preach here today. Everything. All the bad as well. It's not just all good. You know, God's in the bad as well. God's in the mountain and he's in the valley. Hey. 
You know what I mean? He's wherever you are, he's, he's wherever you need him. And your perspective of God may change. You may think, where are you, God? Where are you, man? I've had those pity prayers. You know, poor me, God, oh, where are you? And God's like, man, I'm right next to you, <laughs> you know? Just take your eyes off everything else and focus back on me. So in 917, then Ananias went to the house and entered it, placing his hands on Saul. He said, brother, brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you were is coming, coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again and he got up and was baptized and after talking, uh, taking some food, he regained, regained his strength. Man, I find that interesting, eh? See, the thing about it was that he, he had learned about God, he'd read about God, but all of a sudden he encounters and then experiences God. And that's a difference, man. That's a difference, man. Like I'll tell you right now, I've experienced God. No one can tell me God's not real. No one. No one can tell me God didn't do that in my life. No one. God instantly healed me and delivered me from a 10-year drug addiction, man. I don't even know how to explain that. And I know that sometimes God works in different ways. Sometimes it's over time, and sometimes it's, it's like that. But for me, no one can deny. No one can deny what God's done in my life. You know, and the scales that fell, man, they're like the blindness, the spiritual blindness falls from his eyes. And all of a sudden, his perspective changes because he can suddenly see the truth. He can suddenly see that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. See, he used, to, he used to persecute Jesus because he thought that Jesus wasn't of God. He thought that they were just some crazy cuckoo group that were, that were trying to start their own thing up. And a really interesting too, because Gamaliel, who's this, who was that Pharisee that trained Saul, in Acts 5, he actually says about the disciples, he said, look, if, leave them alone. He said, if they're not of God, then it'll come to, come to truth. And if they are of God, then no one can go stand against them. So even he knew. But you see, with Paul, it was more that he got a revelation. You know, he just, when, when those scales fell, and I, I can honestly say this, when I first got saved, when I very first got saved right there, um, I woke up the next morning, and this might sound strange, but everything looked different to me. Everything looked different. Nothing had changed in my physical circumstances of my life, but how I saw my life, my perspective of my life flipped on its head. Um, it was almost like, has the sky always been that blue? You know? Oh, is that an island out there? <laughs> you know, like I, was, I was so consumed with my addiction that I never even got to see all the good. You know? But suddenly, suddenly, man, truth was revealed, scales fell, man, and my whole perspective on life changed. So, Truth is revealed. You know, that's where revelation comes from. Revelation comes from truth revealed with a greater understanding. You know, we get to understand things better. Because we don't know all the truth that God has for us yet. We don't. You know, Pastor Lisa mentioned about being open. Being open. To, to, because you think about everything's false until you find out it's true. You know, there's, and, and, and everything's false and you might find out it is false. But we need to be open to truth. Especially the way that God's going to work. Because here's the thing here, Acts 9.20, I love this bit here. At once, so as soon as Saul had, been, had eaten, okay, he, he got his sight back, he had something to eat, he went straight into the Damascus and started preaching the gospel. Now you imagine that. 
everyone's waiting for him to turn up because he's killing Christians and he's looking to get a letter so he can imprison them. And then he turns up and starts preaching the gospel, starts preaching the word of God, starts preaching about Jesus. And it says in here that people were baffled. The people were baffled. Now that stood out to me because I believe that we will baffle some people, but I believe we'll get baffled a bit. With the things that God's got in store, I think he's going to shake us up a little bit. I think he's going to, you know what I mean? I think there's some things that happen that we will even go, oh my gosh, you know? It says in Habakkuk, it says that you'll be amazed. It says that God's going to do things that we would be utterly amazed with, even if he told us. So even if God said to me now, hey, Brownie, I'm going to do this in the center church in a couple of months, I'd be amazed. When it, you know what I mean? Like, you'd just be amazed by it. So Acts 9.20, it says, And once he began to preach in the synagogue that Jesus is the Son of, of God, all those who heard him were astonished and asked, Isn't he the man who raised havoc in Jerusalem? So they were baffled, okay? Absolutely baffled. And then Paul went on from there, like I said, he preached he went on three missions through the Roman Empire. And that's not easy. You know, that'd be like preaching the word in, you know, in, in a really, some really hard places. I was going to say somewhere, but I don't want to offend anyone. Um, you know, so all of a sudden, he's preaching the word. He's healing. He's performing miracles. He's writing the New Testament. That's what he goes to do. It just absolutely amazes me. Then God changed his name. Remember I said God changed his name from Saul to Paul? The reason why God does that is because your name relates to a person's identity. And all of a sudden, Paul's identity had changed. It says that we're in Christ we're all new creations. So he, he, he changed his name from Saul to Paul. And that was, yeah, around his identity and his perspective. So Paul went on to encourage and correct the church. He performed miracles, he did all these things. You know, and he's, he started off here, and he ended up over here. And I think the reason why I like him was I feel like I was over here, and then he flipped me 180 over there. And here's the thing I want to say to you today. We can all be Saul, or we can all be Paul. It's a choice. It's a choice. You know, we can always be better, but at the end of the day, there's a choice to be Saul or Paul. And it's a simple choice. It's, uh, am I for God or am I against him? And you may even be sitting there and saying, I'm not against God, but if you're not for him, then you sort of are. <laughs> there's no sitting on the fence on this one. It's, 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 there's battle lines drawn, and you choose your side. And if you don't choose God's side, then by default, you're choosing the other side. Hey, that's just the way it is. You know? That's just how it is. Um, so, yeah, we can be Paul or we can be Saul. See, we can be who God meant us to be. And I've I got a scripture here in Judges 3, 1. Um, actually, I will find it. I was going to paraphrase it, but I don't want to mess it up. Um, can I get the musos up, please? This is a scripture in Judges 3, and it says, These are the nations the Lord left to test all those Israelites who had not experienced any of the wars. He did this only to teach warfare to the descendants of the Israelites. If you're going through a war, if you're going through a war, that may be God's way of making a path for you. See, the thing about it is God allows wars because we're people of war. We need to know how to handle a war. We need to know how to handle a situation. We can't be freaked out and overwhelmed by everything that's going on in the world. We can't be moved by everything that's going on there. 
We need to be moved by God's Spirit. So sometimes God allows wars to happen. It's a permissive sense. He's not bringing the war to you. He's not bringing it to you. What he's saying is, I'm going to get you through it. I'm going to walk through this war with you, but I want you to learn how to go to war. I want you to learn how to experience some pain because then God can use that. When I speak about people, you know, when I speak about addiction, when I speak about um, violence, when I speak about all these things, from my, I feel it, man, I feel it. I feel it in me. Like it's, it's something that God's created in me. It's a space of empathy that God's created with me that when, I, when I'm talking to people like that, I just connect. When I talk with people who are down, when I talk with people who are lost, when I talk to people who are, who are bound, you know, have a slave mentality, when I talk to I feel it because I've been that slave. I've been that slave. But who knows? All you've been through may have been preparation for where God needs you to be today. I'm going to finish on this scripture, Isaiah 43, 19. It says, Behold, I'm about to do a new thing. Now, now this is for you. When I say this scripture out, I feel like I'm speaking directly to you. God, uh, sorry, God's speaking to you. Behold, I'm about to do a new thing in your life. Forget all the old rubbish. I'm about to do something new in your life. And then he turns around in the very next verse and he says, actually, I've already begun doing it. Can you see it? Can you perceive it? Can you see what God's doing in your life today? Because God is always doing something, man. Like he is, He's got amazing work ethic. He's constantly got us on his mind and he's constantly working you know, for our good. Sometimes we don't even see it. I said before, I've been in situations where I've been like, where are you, God? Where are you, God? I look back now, man, he was right with me. You know, I was just not looking in the right place. I was consumed with the issue. But God just wants to move that out the way. So what I want to do now, just while the music's playing, man, I want to give you an an opportunity to come up here. And there's, there's a couple of reasons why the first and the foremost is I talked about my perspective being changed, and we talked about Saul being changed. That all came from an encounter with God. That all came through a humbling and saying, hey, God, man, I need you to help me. I need some peace. It's, it, it, and, and it's as simple as that. So that's what I want to do. I want to put that out first and foremost. So if there's anyone that wants to make some peace with God, come up and see me. But I also want to open up the front here now. I want to open it up for... Um, for fresh perspective, for fresh thinking, but also, too, for encouragement. You know, we can all come into this church after we've had our week, and we all come here together, and I really feel like it's a good time to encourage each other. So those are the things I want to do now, and I want everyone just to come up. I want everyone to come up and get prayed for, okay? Just while this music's playing, can we all stand for a minute? All stand. Come up and get some prayer. If you're not getting prayed for, just just worship to the music. But I encourage you, I really encourage you to come up. Come up the front. We've got lots of good leaders here that will pray for you. Mm. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord.